listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Lucy and Marie and talking about how you decide how many children to adopt. Hi, both of you. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. No, you're so welcome. Thank you for joining me. So I hear that you are in stage two of your adoption process. How's it been going? It's great. Um, yeah, finally, we, we made to stage two. We have everything more organized uh, with all dates in the diary and a panel to look forward to. Gosh, so you've actually got a panel date. Yes. Wow. It's, uh, it's coming up and it's it's nice to have something to work towards in the diary, even if it may change a few times. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you an idea, doesn't it? Um, do you feel ready? Yes, <laughs> more than ready. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it taken you to get this far? It's taken us about, so stage one ended up taking about six months. And then uh, we started stage two in January, I believe, losing quite, losing track of the year. Yeah, that's quite a long stage one. Why was it so long? Well, um, we had some delays with stage one mainly because of the magicals. I am not from from England and I, I've been here for just nine years. <laughs> they request uh, a 10 years record and I didn't have 10 years, just nine. So this took um, a bit of a, you know, longer than I expected to, to pass, but um, everything went fine at the end. Um, so good. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. But yeah, it sounds like that was a bit tricky. Um, was that the only delay that you had? Yes, um, that it wasn't the only delay, but it was the main delay. There were delays um, with things like DBS checks, but they weren't significant like the like it was waiting for the health checks to come back. Okay, well, exciting times then. So, as you're approaching panel, I guess you're thinking more and more about you know what you're going to be looking for in terms of a child or children. So, coming first of all uh, to you, Marie, did you have an idea in mind when you started how many children you wanted, what age, all of that? I did. Um, I always wanted more than one. I wanted siblings. The reason being when uh, I'm an only child. So growing up, I had uh, a great childhood, a great experience of being an only child. But I did always have that kind of want to have some siblings. So I always said when I have my own children, I'd like to have more than one. Um, So I, I always wanted siblings. But why more than one at once? What's the decision making about that? Unlike having birth children in adoption, there are benefits I've read about of adopting siblings at the same time. So they've got each other, they arrive together, they have that shared experience. And I thought that was that was a great a great thing. And also on top of that, it means that you don't need to do the process uh, and delay for an extra, you know, however many months it may take. Yeah, absolutely. It all happens at once. Um, and are you thinking of two or more than two? Do you know? <laughs> um, great question. I, I would like... I would like two, but I'm open to more than two. And what about you, Lucy? <laughs> yeah, it's just funny that you ask that because um, I, I want a, a full house. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we, we are open for more than two. It will be what it will be. Obviously, if there are a sibling group of three or four, we are not going to uh, separate them if they're meant to be together. But but yeah, um, 
let's see. <laughs> I, I want the siblings, uh, not necessarily at the same time in the beginning of the process, because I didn't know about the benefits for the kids uh, to be together. I, I didn't have enough knowledge on that. So I was actually thinking one, maybe another one after, but then after reading and, and doing the research about the benefits of keeping the kids to get together, keeping that bond that they have with each other, I realized that um, it's it's definitely the right thing for us, right? And for the kids, so why not? <laughs> so two, three, four or more, it sounds like, and what a massive decision. Are you Have you tended to be on board with each other about what kinds of children, what ages and so on, or have you had discussions about that, Marie? We seem to have been pretty much on the same page. Obviously, there, there have been some conversations where I've said, oh, I think maybe I'd prefer to go for a slightly older child, maybe four years plus. And Lucy has had thoughts about having maybe a slightly younger child. But we seem to, we, we come to an agreement and then we seem to almost swap where then the other one changes her mind and, and vice versa. But no, in, in general, we're, we're pretty much on the same page. So Lucy, do you have siblings yourself? You said that you were up for lots and lots and lots of children. I wonder what your experience was as a child. <laughs> yes, I have one brother. Uh, he's younger than me. We have quite a big age gap uh, of eight years. My mom had a miscarriage, so I, I was supposed to have another one. But I, I come from a, a big family, lots of aunties, uncle, cousins. And yeah, it's just, you know, what I, I, I'm used to, I was used to growing up. Okay, so you're used to that sort of noise and chaos. Yes, <laughs> Christmas with really big, uh, yeah, really big house full of, of, of kids running around. And yeah, when, um, you know, Marie uh, come from a, a completely different um, family structure where she doesn't have siblings, her mom doesn't have siblings. So it's really small family, very different, right? So we, but. Now she's used to because we, we've been spending more time with my family over Christmas. and <laughs> she I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's nice. It's uh, Yeah, my family is quite small. My, my household is quite big. There's five of us, but my extended family is tiny. So, you know, when I hear these families where it's like, this is, you know, Uncle Thingy and Auntie So-and-So and 90 different cousins, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you mentioned about, you know, the age of the child you've talked about around about four years are you thinking about the eldest child being four years or and then down from there or is it is it not yet solidified in your mind Lucy? Yeah uh, so actually our our range is quite big from zero to five as you know Marie was saying in the beginning we we were looking into different options in the beginning of the process this process is quite intense we've been learning a lot since we started and I think it's natural to be reconsidering and changing our mind and being more open, right? So um, the, the eldest would be five, and the, the, according to our range, right? And so from zero to five is what we will be looking at. But um, yeah, it depends. That we know that there are a lot more older children that need a family. So the benefits of having a little bit uh, older child. I still struggle to say older child, to be honest, because for me, a five years old is still a, a small child. Um, but it's not what they they consider right so yeah absolutely you're right and um, there are fairly few children adopted age old uh, aged older than five so yeah I, I completely understand that emotional response to that that it's so tiny to be too old for anything really but yeah I understand yeah. that uh, so how have you done your research to arrive at a sibling group as the right decision for you have you met other people who've done it what have you been doing 
we met a lot, a lot of people at camp uh, last year, which was fantastic. And we've kept in touch with quite a few of those people, both volunteers, because we were volunteers who are in the process and some of the guests who have actually both sets that we've kept, kind of kept in close touch with have got siblings. So we met up actually the other week with a couple and their their two children and spoke about our desire to adopt siblings and our thoughts and, and things like that. And they were singing the praises of all the benefits of of having the children come together and the benefits to them and how it's really helped them as a family. So that's that's been hugely helpful in terms of getting first-hand experience from people and not being able to ask questions. That's really nice. I love that they weren't screaming, don't do it, don't do it. So that's excellent. <laughs> Sometimes at work, if one of us has had a really bad day, like with the kids or whatever, we're like, right, you're not allowed to talk to the public today. No speaking to the public. <laughs> Don't pick up the phone in case you just <laughs> go, don't do it. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so, so, so hearing it from the horse's mouth a bit. It's funny, it's on my mind a little bit because um, we have just found out that my child's birth mum is pregnant again and that will be child five. Um, oh, so wow. not not for us, it won't be. But yeah, so it's an odd thing each time a subsequent one is born because even if you're pretty sure that you're not in the market for another one and we're not in the market for another one, it is still a very, very odd thing. There's this little person about to come into the world and their future at the moment is unknown and, you know, um, likely to be adoption again. But it's just so strange to be kind of thinking about that and just thinking, you know, I don't know, just this growing pool of children that are related to your own child. It's it's a strange strange sort of thing I think really so it brings up questions about you know how many do you take if there's another one born after the ones that you've taken what do you do yeah. um, and I think lots and lots of us get that phone call at some point about do you want another child and it's normally quite a short notice as well because um, my understanding is they don't tend to start proceedings until the birth parent is 20 weeks pregnant um, I don't know that for certain I th- I've heard that but it means that you get less than half a pregnancy's worth of notice that that might be the case. And so, you know, big questions for everybody really about what happens next. Will we be in touch with this child? When will we be in touch? And then, of course, you have to go back and tell your own child that this this child is on the way. And so yeah. um, all of the questions that that then raises for them. So, so yeah, we've, uh, that's now the fourth yeah. time we've done that phone call. So on we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we we spoke about that quite a bit. Um, I mean, one of the reasons to 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 adopt uh, siblings it's also as you know, uh, Marie said to not have to go through the process again. But this doesn't mean that we won't have to go through again in case uh, you know there is another baby coming, and we, it's going to be a completely different decision and considerations because once you already have children, you have to analyze your capabilities, but also the benefits and you know what is right to do considering your uh, current child so um, yeah I guess it's not it's not easy but uh, yeah if it's doable you know we'll definitely consider mm-hmm. yes yeah absolutely and I think most people I know that have had that phone call about a subsequent baby being born you know have really sat down and thought about it even when they haven't really been imagining that's going to be what they want I mean, I guess for us, you know, my my youngest is now um, 11 years old. And so the thought of starting all over again just makes me want to sob into a bucket. <laughs> but, um, um, but 
I saying no to the first of the subsequent siblings was hard because we knew that we didn't have the capacity to do it and we didn't want to do it. But this huge heart wrenching thing about, but then what? And you make the decision and it goes quiet for a while because they're now planning for that child and the plan isn't you anymore. So it's really strange. But I guess if you're open to a huge load of children living in your house, which it sounds like you are, <laughs> um, then you know, so yes. Um, well, have you had conversations about, you know, who's going to be off work, about the practicalities around all of this? What have you decided to do around that? So we did, we took it a very we took it at a level of basically who who is earning more at the moment in our job um and it's me so i'll be the one that will continue working and uh, lucy will be the one that will take the adoption leave yeah that sounds very pragmatic really and very practical you mentioned um lucy about you being from abroad but are your family now here in the uk um i have just just one person uh in my family very close to me that also has kids but my mom and the, the rest of my family, they are not here. Um, considering this, we, we, we think about support network in more details, right? Um, the good thing is that my mom is, is retired now and she's willing to come here, spend six months um, and, you know, support us uh, if we need to. She's willing to, to learn English. It's not our first language. So she, she doesn't really speak English really well. She knows the reasons why the benefits, because obviously if we are getting a, a slightly older child that already speaks English, we are not going to be expecting uh, the child to learn my, my own language. So my mom is really actually excited with that and, and she will be super dedicated to learn English and, you know, be here and support us with that. Oh, she sounds wonderful. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> but what a nice opportunity, though, for her to spend time with you both and with um, the children. I think that's really exciting. Um, and what about your family, Maria? Are they nearby? Are they involved? Yes, I live very close to my parents. We're about five minutes down the road from them, which is great. I've got, like I said, a really small family, but my auntie's about an hour away. And then we've got close family friends who I considered family growing up. Um, living around us as well so a lot of lot of people around and willing and excited to help really that's really exciting so it sounds like you're as ready as you can be really <laughs> I mean we are uh, it's, it's still trying to uh, make our support network even stronger right because it's uh, we learned that is essential so uh, actually being involved uh, in the summer camp last year uh, gave us the opportunity to meet a lot of doctors and we are um, trying to keep in touch and, and make them our support network. So it's it's been really good. Yeah, I think that's hugely valuable because, of course, you know, taking on even just one child, your life just changes overnight. And taking on multiple children, that instant family thing is such a huge experience to go through. And some people really thrive on it and others just find it very bumpy at first that it's quite difficult to adjust and either of those is normal. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right to sort of build your support network to to work through that. Have you been doing stuff like checking out local schools and things like that? Or does it feel a bit premature to do all of that? <laughs> well, um, one of our friends that lives near here, she's a, a teacher. Um, and we've been talking about this. Uh, so she gave us really good advice uh, in, you know, what to look for when we're looking at schools. We also met another couple that lives literally five minutes from us. 
they they have a research with six schools that I went to see. So we are, you know, we, we haven't obviously booked any appointment because we don't have children yet, but we are already, you know, considering and, and trying to understand what is best to look uh, when we look into a nursery or, or a school. Yeah, I think that sounds like a really good idea. And if someone else has done all the research for you, that's even more perfect. So yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, so obviously you're approaching panel and then it's going to be family finding and all of those decisions around that I guess you've been having those conversations about what needs you can take what levels of needs you can take and so on in a child or children how have those conversations been going so we've had the conversations between us we've learned a bit in the training about what we will do in terms of filling out forms and and specifying what we would like to take on and what we don't think we'd be ready to take on we haven't discussed with our social worker just yet I think that's in a few weeks time Um, but what we've discussed and agreed as a couple is that we wouldn't take on anything any sort of disability that we don't feel we have the understanding and capability to really give the best care that we can that's the most important thing for us you know anything that that might be really limiting in terms of mobility in terms of sort of living a normal life neither of us feel that we would be especially ready to take that on and do the best job we possibly could for that child so that's something that we we're exploring and talking about a bit more exactly what are we ready for and what are we not but we're hoping that when we bring it up with our social work when we discuss with our social worker that conversation will also help us make up our mind a bit better as well yes and we hope they give that advice and give some steer on that yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but we also learned that, you know, there are a lot of additional needs uh, that we can uh, and we are able to support. We, uh, you know, we haven't had the discussion, but we, you know, with the social worker, but we are pretty much on the same page in what we are. Uh, we, we think and we believe that uh, we can handle. We really like our social worker. I think, you know, she knows us a lot uh, in such a short period of time. And I'm counting on her to also be able to advise us, considering what she knows about us, uh, to make the right decision, right? It needs to be right uh, for us, it needs to be right for the children. And if we don't have the best resources, the, you know, the best knowledge to, to provide support, we won't do it. But as long as we are capable and comfortable, we will, um, we will consider. So you mentioned that there are some needs that you can take on. What sorts of things have you thought about that you think you could deal with? Yeah, so um, all the additional needs, they are uh, really broad, like uh, there might be different levels, for example, of autism or ADHD or dyslexia. Uh, All of these things that, you know, I mentioned, uh, they are not no. Uh, We are open and we are willing to consider. But as uh, Marie said, when it comes to, additional needs in terms of mobility, right? We have uh, we have a house, uh, three floors, stairs, like uh, things that would be complicated for us to adjust. Uh, then we are more towards the no, but all the rest, um, you know, uh, we are pretty much open. Yeah. Yeah, I think that openness is really important. And often even, even the reports that you get, they aren't able to capture the full spectrum of that child's needs or the nuances of that specific child's needs. So it may be that something's not mentioned at all that later becomes an issue. Or it can be that the nuances of how that thing affects that child becomes clearer. 
And I think, yeah, that journey, that openness is useful because if there's then something around the corner a bit later, at least you are feeling equipped to deal with quite a broad range of stuff. Because, of course, some stuff comes along and takes us all by surprise in our lives. And then other stuff you will know up front and be able to make those decisions about. So I think that's it's really positive that you're feeling that broad about it. Um, when you spoke to other people um, who've got sibling groups, did they have advice on like levels of need or how to make a decision on a specific group of children? The advice that we hear from everyone really is be open minded and don't, you know, don't feel worried about saying no at the same time of being open minded. There, there's something that our social worker said to me last week, actually, which was really interesting made me think um, with siblings sometimes there might be one that appears very self-sufficient and quiet and fine uh, and then one that maybe seems a bit more needy and they want attention and sometimes it could be really natural to go to the one that looks as though it he or she is is really after the attention and uh, you know that's that's fine but don't ignore the apparently self-sufficient sibling because it might be that they're battling through some some other stuff and they actually really really need the attention perhaps even more than their sibling they just don't know how to demonstrate that so considering things like that as well and it was really interesting when the social worker said that because I probably wouldn't have necessarily thought that way until she said that to me. Yeah I think that's really good advice and I've heard similar and known families with similar experience that one child will internalise its distress and another will externalise it. And so the child that appears to be on fire is the one that you're trying to put out with a bucket of water. But the child that's just smouldering on the inside, you, you're not necessarily noticing it in the same way. It doesn't appear as desperate a situation when you just look. And so, yeah, you getting to know your own child to know the signs of distress might be very outward but it might equally be very, very inward. And yeah, I think that's probably one of the challenges of juggling multiple kids is mm -hmm. that, especially if you're outnumbered, there are not enough adults to go around. And so what do you do? You have to keep working your way, working the room, essentially working your way around more kids than there are adults um, to just check, is everybody okay? Mm -hmm. I think as well, um, as a parent of three kids, the number of dynamics in the house is huge. So, you know, the dynamics between one parent and one child is one straight line. Whereas if you've got two parents and one child, that's like a triangle, you know, so now everybody links up in that way. Yep. But once you get to two parents and two kids, it's like a square, but also with the diagonal lines drawn in. So there's all these dynamics going on. Once you get to five, you're starting to draw, I don't know, stars and stuff like that. It starts to be <laughs> so many relationships are running. And at any one point, any one of those can become complicated. So between two of the kids could become com complicated. Then between one adult and one kid could become difficult. And so you're just constantly kind of relationship managing and smoothing things over and checking everybody's okay. And yeah, it's 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 wonderful because equally all of those relationships can be nurturing and strengthening and they gain wonderful things from those. But that constant relationship management is definitely part of everyday life that so-and-so's crossed with thingy and thingy knocked on so-and-so's door and ran away and you know, <laughs> looked at them funny and on and on and on you know so uh -huh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> also related to their attachment I guess right so as you said you're managing relationships not only uh you are with your child but with the children and and you know you and your partner with the children there uh and and different children might have different types of uh, attachment styles in different times that we will have to 
adjust and and support right mm-hmm. um it's i fi- i find all of that's very interesting to be honest um and i like to to learn as 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 much as i read i realize that i don't know enough so i keep like <laughs> reading 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 talking to people and trying to get as uh, more knowledge as i can yeah, I, I don't know if anybody knows enough. I think probably you fall no. out at the far end of parenting thinking, oh, my God, we survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there is huge complexity. And sometimes here it manifests as um, one child saying something when they were a bit younger, particularly, and another one saying, you don't believe me. You don't believe my account. So it's become very personal suddenly. It's not about weighing up that one says this happened and the other says it didn't. Mm-hmm. But then it's, you don't believe me. And it's so closely linked. You don't love me. You don't trust me. You don't, you know, they're so, they can be so close to that conclusion mm-hmm. in their own minds. Or, you know, you always side with them as another one, a sense of mm-hmm. profound injustice, which I think anyone with a sibling has experience of that sense of injustice. Yeah. But... <laughs> It runs very deep um, for kids with those attachment issues because to them it represents the safety. So if you are on their side and believing them and backing them up, they're safe. But the moment you say, that's not what your brother says happened, then you don't love me anymore. You don't believe me. Why do you never believe me? Why do you like them more? Is so, so close to the surface. So it's it's really interesting. But at the same time, I think that where that sibling relationship is good, they can just gain so much from it. And so, you know, it's it's a great thing that you're doing. And hopefully there's a set of kids out there right now who are going to be with you sooner or later, which must feel pretty weird, I imagine. It is, but pretty cool, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. God, yes, you're going to need to find car seats, <laughs> all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Next time we meet face to face, who knows, we're going to bring our whole family and lots of yeah. kids and our <laughs> <Minibus>. dog <laughs> a minibus yeah <laughs> and you look as proud as I do <laughs> <laughs> oh it's really really exciting I'm very pleased for you do you think that at this stage you have any advice for people who are considering embarking on the journey that you're on or does it feel premature to give advice um well I've been always asking for advice but the only thing that I can say is when things get difficult, don't give up on the process. Um, my stage one was super uh, hard and challenging, especially with the delays uh, and the waiting. You know, uh, it will get better in stage two. At least that's my experience, right? Everything is more structured. You have a person, you have a social worker, you have, you know, uh, meetings in the diary. And I work much better when I know what's going to go next, when I, what's going to happen next, sorry. So my own advice is, you know, it, it stick, it stick to it. Don't give up and just try to learn as much as you can because we still know nothing, right? We, <laughs> in 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 you, Marie. I would, I totally agree with that. But I would also say, just don't don't be afraid sometimes to ask questions and challenge things. We've had a few scenarios where we've been asked have you got experience with this? Have you done this? And the answer is no. Um, and we've said no, but then I've questioned, but how would we get this sort of experience? Because we don't, I don't know, maybe we don't know people with with young kids who are happy to leave them alone with us or something like that. Um, and when we've questioned it, we've always got a very sensible and helpful answer back. But it's just the initial act of asking that question feels a bit, I felt a bit nervous, almost like I shouldn't be challenging this. They've asked me something, I haven't done it. I should I shouldn't challenge back but when I did actually it worked out for the best so I would say yeah just don't don't be afraid to, to ask questions don't be afraid to challenge certain things as well 
That's fantastic. And having seen you both at camp, uh, you were so wonderful that I just think it'll be great at this. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you ever so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guests today, Lucy and Marie. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next time with more guests and more tea.